Thanks, Isa, too. So uh, I'm going to be talking about quick reference guides today. And uh, just to start off, I have this little cartoon my colleague drew. Uh, somebody arrives and says, here's the manual for your new software, all 16 volumes. And the person says, thanks, but I'll wait for the Reader's Digest version. And this kind of captures this sentiment that a lot of people have against uh, encyclopedia-type user assistance that is just really, really long. Uh, okay, so I want to start off by kind of relating a story uh, of the first quick reference guide that I that I created. And I think everybody who's done these quick reference guides has a similar sort of story. But uh, some years ago, I was uh, creating how-to guides, and, and they were in a regular kind of uh, paper format, uh, like between 20 pages and 70 pages and so forth. They weren't very long guides. <coughs> but the project manager... Every time I would give him one of these guides, uh, he would look at me and, and kind of thumb through it and say, you know, do you have anything shorter? Can we make this shorter? And already these guides I thought were as short as they could be, right? They, it's not as if I was just elaborating at length on all kinds of unnecessary features and details and other information. But he kept asking for it again and again. And finally I said, all right, I have to do something. I'll, I'll give him, I'm going to whittle this down to like, two pages or one page and then he'll see so I, I set about to do this and uh um spent like a week trying to figure out how to lay this out trying to figure out what what tool I should use um trying to pare down all this information into what I thought would be the essentials and uh after a week, I, I kind of laid it out. I, I copied a, a, a magazine layout for inspiration and, and design, and I brought it to this meeting. I brought about a dozen copies of this, all nice color printout, and I handed them out, and immediately, like, everybody started reading it. The, the project manager's face lit up, and he was, like, smiling. It, it was clear that this was, like, a big hit in terms of user education deliverables. And... Um, <clears throat> Ever since then, I've really thought and felt that a quick reference guide should be a, a part of the core deliverables that, that I produce as a technical writer. Um, it really seems to satisfy this desire that people have for short and simple documentation. It gives them a starting point, something to really get through. And so today I'm going to be talking about... Um, uh, the, oh, this shot, by the way, is just an example. This isn't entirely the the one that I was creating back then but this is like a, a quick reference guide that uh just so that we're all on the same page about what I'm talking about kind of a one or two page short version of documentation that's usually designed in an attractive way um, and uh, delivers information that helps the user get started understanding the basic tasks of an application so today we're going to talk about eight different principles. Uh, what do you include in a quick reference guide? How do you design it? Design it. What tools do you use? When do you create the quick reference guide? How many do you create? Can you single source it? How do you translate it? And finally, is it worth the time? Okay. What do you include? So 
I like to think of quick reference guides, or QRGs as I shorten them, as poetry. Um, They're kind of like the poetry of technical communication. And to illustrate, I wanted to read my favorite poem. This is a uh, poem called Lying in a Hammock at William Duffy's Farm in Pine Island, Minnesota by James Wright. (coughs) He says... Over my head, I see the bronze butterfly asleep on the black trunk, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. Down the ravine, behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. To my right, in a field of sunlight between two pines, the droppings of last year's horses blaze up into golden stones. I lean back as the evening darkens and comes on. A chicken hawk floats over, looking for home. I have wasted my life. I really like this poem because obviously this narrator, he's just kind of hanging out on a on a lazy Sunday afternoon. And uh, whereas many people, of course, would think, oh, you need to be working, you need to be busy. He's just taking it in and uh, he's wasting his life. So th- this is not a very, this is not very much text, but in these dozen lines that are written, he accomplishes quite a bit. And I think, now obviously, in, in technical communication, we're not writing literal poems here, not writing literature, but I would hope that we would try to like condense the essence of the application into its dozen lines or so, or, or dozen tasks or something. Uh, we really want to try to pare it down to the essentials. And now, here are a few considerations as you're trying to figure out what to include. Uh, Try to only include basic tasks only. All the advanced ones, the edge cases, the more uh, fringe scenarios, you don't have to cover. Leave those for the online help uh, or whatever whatever web repository you have where you can just throw in tons of information. You want to be brief. Uh, Not necessarily too brief though, uh, because you could certainly get obscure and cryptic if you're if you condense it all into like you know three word sentences. Uh, you don't want like this yoga like uh, or Yoda like um, obtuse sort of content because you've you've crammed so much into into one short sentence. But you do want to try to be as brief as possible. So for example, if you're if you're writing steps. Maybe you could omit the the results from each step or just like summarize the steps, especially if you think people could get it. For example, if there's a bunch of fields to fill out on the screen, you know, you don't have to go through each one and say in the X field type X, you know, in the this field type that. Just complete the fields on the screen and things like that. Um, you know, focus on things that people are, are going to... Uh, uh, I don't know, help them get started on a task and, and let them figure it out from the from the interface once you get them in there. Um, again, y- you could render steps as brief summaries rather than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Just, hey, go to this part of the screen, fill it out, click the enter button or whatever. And remember, you're not cramming like 35 pages of online help into two pages of small font with cramped letting. Uh, you it's really not the goal. You probably won't fit more than like 250, 300 words uh, per per sheet. So remember, you know, this is not an attempt to use creative design and layout in order to, to mash everything into one small space. That's really not the point.
So let's move on to the second question. How do you design it? And uh, this is by far been the most popular question uh, and it's the one that that most technical writers feel uh, challenged with you know this this design element because we're writers we design words and we design ideas and structures of so forth and we're able to put these this language into thought or this thought into language uh, but when it comes to design that's where we kind of um, scratch our heads uh, so when I was first creating my quick reference guides, I realized that I was not a designer, and I still don't consider myself a designer. So I did the thing that makes sense. I copied design. I looked at magazine layouts, and especially Wired magazine, and looked for designs that caught my eye. And when a design caught my eye, I asked myself why. And if so, if it is an appealing layout, could I possibly repurpose it into a quick reference guide layout? So here are four examples of magazine layouts. Uh, some of these have text on the side. Um, others have text in several columns with some some red and some some dark. You know that really jumps out that that combination. Others have pictures with text below them, or others even in like a grid format and so forth. And uh, you can really just go to any thrift store where they have a bunch of old magazines, pick up some magazines, or go buy go buy some new ones. Use it as an excuse to go buy your favorite magazines and flip through them at, at leisure. Uh, but but go through all of these magazines, and when you when you find yourself stopping and looking at something, uh, tear that page out, and and get yourself like 15, 20 pages. And then once you have 15 or 20 pages, look at these and say, well, which of these would work for technical educational material? Um, and, and then <clears throat> take something that you find appealing and see if your content will fit into that design. It's really not, not uh, that difficult and it's not really design plagiarism either because by the time you take your content and try to fit it into this similar layout and design it will not really look like the original so in this example I really liked this one um, I, I loved how how the information flowed um, I loved the red uh, task titles with the black kind of paraphrasing followed by the 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 other text it seemed like a really nice idea now actually when I started using this one I kind of realized something that was critical. Uh, when I wanted to have callouts uh, and I wanted to put arrows to different portions of the screen it, it, from those callouts, the arrows all had to kind of be cascading downward in order to, to look good. When the arrows went every which way, up and down and straight and down and up, it looked kind of busy and didn't, didn't quite work. But overall, I used this to illustrate a task in an application that was really complicated that that deserved a quick reference guide all on its own but if you have any kind of workflow or something that that really works and now I'm gonna be talking about this later but you'll notice that that images are central to design you can't really make a good quick reference guide unless you have a good image and I'll come back to that point later so if you are struggling with design I really recommend a book by a person named Robin Williams, not the actor. Uh, imagine this person says that every time. But uh, 
Robin Williams' book, The Non-Designer's Design Book, is an excellent book. Uh, and she, the author, actually, I don't even know if it's a man, woman. Anyway, Robin says there are four basic design principles. Contrast, repetition, alignment, and proximity. And if you remember this acronym, CRAP, uh, it's somewhat helpful. So contrast refers to establishing a visual hierarchy. Our eyes are really drawn to contrast, and that could be contrasts of color, contrasts of size, uh, but, but definitely you need contrast to really get something interesting in there. Uh, repetition is also important. So if you have similar elements, you want to repeat those elements throughout. Um, the similarity lets the reader know that that the uh, that the content is that it fits into a similar sort of vein. It's 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 got uh, similar uh, par- parallel elements. For example, all task titles uh, maybe would be the same font and style, and that lets the reader know that they're all tasks. That kind of thing. Alignment is also big, so you want to avoid the center-aligned kind of content. You want to either use your left align or your, your right align in different ways to really strengthen the symmetry and uh, sense of um, exactness of, of your layout. And finally, proximity is important. Subconsciously or, or whether consciously, as a reader, you look at something and if things are grouped together, that proximity means that Hey, the content belongs together. So let's look at these examples or these principles in context of a few different quick reference guides. So here, let's look at contrast. All right, remember the acronym CRAP. So here we've got a, a large title, uh, lorem ipsum, right, uh, right at the top there. That contrasts with the rest, and your eye kind of is drawn to that contrast. But also, there's a color contrast. The the shaded blue. In the middle also pulls your eye, and that contrasts with the white, and uh, lets you know there's a difference in the content there. But it, it's pulling your eye towards that middle as well because of the contrast. Repetition is another principle here. So you see, you see the four tasks in the middle have repeating elements. They're all in the similar column with the similar shading and similar title, and all about the similar length. So we've repeated that element. We've also repeated this blue bar element at the top of those tasks as well as the bottom um, and as well as in the screenshot. Now how about alignment? You can see on the left um, there's a strong alignment with the title, uh, the subtitle, and the paragraph, and the numbering, and so forth. It all aligns very, very tightly um, in that same uh, left align or left line. Um, then of course these these columns are are similarly uh, aligned with the same width and distance between each one. Finally, P uh, proximity. The task information is all grouped together, whereas this other information, which is more of a getting started, how do you access it information, what is the application, that's in a different section. And then at the bottom, there's a different grouping of, of content, and this is more of like a note hey, remember this, or hey, here's a tip. So you can see that different different areas uh, of the screen or of the, of the page um, mean that, hey, the content is different in that area. So there's a few more elements to consider, uh, and this is really the hardest one, but uh, almost all good magazine layouts have a strong image. If, you're, if all you're working with is text, no matter how creative you are, no matter how 
cool of a layout you found if you don't have a strong image it's not gonna work it's not i mean it, it could it could functionally work and people could get the information but if you're trying to make an eye-popping attractive design without an image good luck uh, go flip through a magazine and try to find a really appealing layout that has no image i i promise you that you you won't find one of course, if you're reading, the, the content could be engaging and so forth, but if you want that immediate first impression where people are suddenly and immediately drawn in, you need to look for a strong image. Now that image may just be a screenshot, maybe a, uh, from your application, and that's fine. It's not going to be a strong image. It will be an image, though, and that will be better than none. Another element is that narrow columns really accommodate text a lot better than like a single column. And this is because narrow columns can handle this very variation of long text and short text, long and short. Uh, whereas if you just had a single column and one sentence was really long and the next was short, um, it looks jagged and, and it looks poorly designed. Finally, try to choose a layout that provides uh, the ability to flow indefinitely. So if you find that you really have more than one page or more than two pages, you don't want to be struggling trying to fit your content into some pre-existing template design that uh, it doesn't quite fit into. So um, if you can flow into those other pages, it makes it all the easier. So let's look at another one. Um, so in terms of these three additional principles. So I said a strong image really pulls the reader in. And so with this, this design, I was looking for some kind of image like that and created one here. You know, it's not that exciting. But it is, it is other. It's different from a screenshot, and it uh, it does kind of pull your eye into it. Uh, the columns are somewhat narrow. It's just a dual column layout, but it this dual column layout works pretty well because it's about the 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 uh, minim, most minimum width you can get away with, and still add a screenshot like you see here. Um, if you have any any more narrow columns, you're not going to be able to fit a screenshot in there at all. And if you have wider columns, you can't fit, <clears throat> well, you wouldn't be able to fit dual columns, right? This is like half of a page. Uh, of course, you could flip this horizontal and have wider columns, but <clears throat> I didn't choose to do that here. Um, let's see. Okay, the last principle here is is flow. So, so with this guide, it ended up being six pages. It just kind of flows onto the next page. And the dual column format really supports this flow because text can just keep flowing. You don't have to worry about making the text fit in just one column. Um, it can just keep moving on and expanding and expanding like this. So it's actually a format that works pretty well. You know, it's not it's not incredibly eye-popping. It's, it's, not, it's not entirely... Um, something that is is going to make people just stop in their tracks and pin it up on their wall but at the same time you're not over encumbered by too much design or too many elements that you can't really wrangle or that you can't sorry let me restate that you're not encumbered by trying to cram your content into this intricate design that's really hard to manage and and make look good Okay, so here's one more. Now this is kind of a failed example, but here it's got some screenshots on the opening page which draw the reader's eye in. But again, it's, you know, they're screenshots, so they're not that exciting. It's got a dual column on the front, but you'll notice that on the back it's got this really intricate six column divided 
section. And, and this proved to be a nightmare in terms of getting the content to fit. So sure, it may look all right here, but uh, you know, trying to bring over these similar elements of a screenshot for each column, uh, followed by text that was approximately equal for each one, uh, just didn't really fit reality, and it, it, it became kind of a writing nightmare to try to make it look balanced. Uh, so I really don't recommend um, putting yourself into a design conundrum like this that you then have to try to fulfill. Um, it's just not worth the effort. Let's move on to question number three. What tools do you use? Um, and this is something that is definitely a very, a very valid question. InDesign uh, by Adobe is one of the products in their creative suite that is pretty popular. It's a, it's a design power tool. Uh, if you've never used it, this is the interface that, it, that, that you see. What's cool about InDesign is that you can use styles for not only paragraphs and characters, but also objects. So if you have like a, like a text box and you wanted it shaded or rounded with corners or something, you could you could put all those into styles, and then you can you can basically have a a book that has various documents, and each document uh, shares the same styles as the um, I don't know master document or so forth, or maybe. I don't think master document is a lingo, but um, you could choose one document in your book that has the styles that all the other documents use, so you can share styles across documents. Um, and you, you have finite, you have absolute control over all the design elements down to the pixel. Um, so it's it's kind of a powerhouse tool. But although I'm going to give kind of three reasons why you can use InDesign, I'm going to I'm going to also give three reasons to use Word and maybe some other tool. So. Here are my three reasons to use InDesign. First, it's a power tool with a steep learning curve, but once you master it, everything else just seems inferior. Um, it allows you to embed illustri Illustrator source files and easily edit them. So if you know Illustrator 2 and you're doing like illustrations for your guide, this is a nice integration that you don't get anywhere else. And finally, as I mentioned, you can sync styles between documents. Um, now here's some reasons to use Microsoft Word. Uh, and this, these are some valid reasons. Um, other people can edit this once you've moved on to another project. So how, how many times have you had a project manager ask you for for the documents or something, and, uh, and they want to make a few little tiny updates here and here and there every few months? Well, unless you're on that project indefinitely, it can be a real obstacle for other people to kind of own the documentation and update it without you because they they often don't have InDesign or if they do it's too um, intimidating. Translation systems accept Word as a format uh, that that uh, that works for translation. I know in my organization uh, we can either submit things in XML or in Word or in like a notepad text file and so although uh, Although you can actually export XML from InDesign, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot more than just hitting the export. You've got to map it to a schema and everything, and then re-import it. And it's a lot there. There's a lot to that. And uh, you can while well, you can do it, groups that do it successfully are are pretty specialized. Finally, you probably already have Word on your computer and know how to use it. So you know it's it's not like a 
it's not a really powerful tool, but it's an available tool. There's not a lot of learning curve behind it. You can get up and going. And a lot of times these designs aren't so complicated that a simple word layout couldn't handle it. Now you could also use a help authoring tool. And here are a few reasons, such as Flare or something else. Here are a few reasons why a help authoring tool might be a good idea. You won't end up tweaking the design to endlessly, or you end up tweaking the design endlessly to fit your content. So usually you you have a layout that you define once for a help authoring tool, and then you just publish to that, right? And it's gonna it's gonna magically integrate all your content into that layout. So it'll take you a long time to initially define that layout, but once you do, you're good. Uh, you can single source your content. So now I I don't really think that. I don't really think that single sourcing is worth it for a, a one or two page quick reference guide. As I mentioned in the beginning, I think quick reference guides are the poetry of documentation and in the same way that you can't single source a novel into a poem, I don't think you can single source a 100 page manual into a quick reference guide. But if you if you do, if you do feel that, that you can do that, you want to do that, and especially if your quick reference guides are more like five to ten pages with more detail, then that may be an important consideration. And uh, I'm certainly not trying to discourage that. And a hat would be a, a good tool for for trying to um, carry that out. Finally, it's easier to keep all your content in one place if you have a help authoring tool. Um, a lot of times if you have content in InDesign and content in uh, a web format such as a, a wiki or a help authoring tool and then maybe somewhere else it can be easy to neglect the content that is um, not in your regular place of authoring all right so that's enough about tools okay let's move on to number four when do you create it you know do you create these quick reference guides at the beginning at the end somewhere in the middle um, Let's look at a few principles. Um, now, I'm trying to think of uh, how I want to tell this story. I think that if you if you begin creating a quick reference guide too early, uh, you run the risk of of accepting more and more content. Um, in general, it makes sense to to kind of work on the content first, get all the content squared away, and then put it into into your design. If you are constantly kind of trying to um, work on the design and the layout and get the content approved through the project manager all at once, it's uh, going to be maddening because you'll be adjusting your design to fit the content, but the content is not locked down the content keeps fluctuating so the content keeps fluctuating and so the design keeps fluctuating and you find yourself spending inordinate amounts of time uh, playing with the design in order to fit the content only to be frustrated at each project meeting when the content changes so I think that uh, <clears throat> when you're when you're creating these quick reference guides um, you want to focus on the content first. You know, you, you don't want to try to make the content fit into an existing design. You just want to focus on the content. However, 
that's a little bit unrealistic because you don't want to you don't want to create a new design every time you have content just because the content is different in other words if you had to uh, create a custom design just to fit every quick reference guide content um, then that is also tedious and you don't and it's very time-consuming so have a general idea in mind about the design that you want how you want it to to look and play out but uh but but really try to avoid putting your content into that design until you've locked down the content and completely um, made it so that you no longer have to make updates to that content Try to find a flexible design if you can so that you can avoid this uh, or so that you can accommodate expanding or shrinking of content. The dual column formats work the easiest. You know, they're kind of plain, but if you have like a three or four column thing, it's a, it's a little harder to, um, to, to make work with more, with a variety of different kinds of content. All right, so, so summary, focus on content first, then design, but have a design template in mind of where you're going so that you don't have to recreate that every time. Let's look at another question. How many quick reference guides do you create? Um, a while ago, I was uh, creating quick reference guides for a calendar application. And uh, you know, initially, I thought, oh, I'm just going to have one or two quick reference guides. And then the project manager's like, well, Let's have one for each role, and then they're like five roles, and then we need an, an overview guide that tells you how to set it up, and then maybe another guide that's like troubleshooting. You know, it's pretty soon you can end up with seven plus quick reference guides, and you have a lot of loose paper. And if these are like two pages each, uh, it ends up looking really messy. You know, this initial goal of having just this efficient two-page guide turns out to like something reminiscent of school where your teacher was passing out all kinds of handouts that you had to organize and and order and arrange and keep track of so um <clears throat> if this happens if it happens where you have lots of uh different different guides and they're all um necessary then then consider making it so that the guides fit into a book. Pause here for one second. I need to go now. Can you ask mom to take you? I already have one. Tell her I'm, tell her I'm still recording. Alright, alright, just, just hold on, pause. I'll, I'll come back to this. Um, kids are trying to get to school. My wife is is uh, figuring out how to take them. Okay. So here, I was in the middle of trying to explain how many guides do you create? You know, if you have seven guides that are needed, do you um, do you work on all all seven guides, or do you scrap that and say, hey, you know what? We just need we need a regular how to guide. Well, here's what you can do. You can try to find a format uh, so that each of these guides can kind of fit into can fit into a book but can also be detachable so that way they could they could um, exist as two different kinds of beasts you could have like a like a handbook that has seven different elements in it uh, but at any rate this is one of the dangers or pitfalls of these quick reference guides is that they can expand and so forth um, so let me just lay out a few considerations uh, one 
oftentimes just be aware that project leaders start out wanting a two-page guide, but eventually they'll ask you to keep adding to it um, and you'll end up with 10 pages of content. So just expect that. So the first time you show them your quick reference guide, uh, leave quite a bit of space or leave half of it blank uh, because you know that you're going to be adding a lot to that guide. Secondly, one handout per role usually seems ideal, right? But you'll tend to move towards a lot of handouts if you have applications that have many different roles. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to plan for because then you have to worry about synchronizing your design across all these guides. Um, it's easier to, to synchronize that design with InDesign. But again, if you're using another tool, that's a consideration is how do you sync the styles from one document to another so that you have something that looks like a complete set. And finally, look for ways to combine multiple guides as a book, but also detach separately. All right, number six, can you single source it? So I get a lot of resistance about this idea. You know, there's there's a philosophy in TechCom that uh, seems to think that if you have a topic and it's well written, that you could you could push that topic anywhere and it will stay true. And 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 that could be fine, but uh, really, the quick reference guide is is so pared down it's so summarized it's such a shorter version uh, that omits that detail that, that the two that that idea doesn't really work for me um, if you were to use that idea where you have the same topic single source from your online help your your quick reference guide is just going to look more like a short guide rather than like a two-pager uh, it'll look like a like a little booklet and that's totally fine it may save you a lot of time this way um, but but if you're trying to push it into more of a one or two page guide, I think that uh, single sourcing just doesn't work uh, because you're you're paraphr you're not just paraphrasing, you're summarizing um, in a really quick or in a, in a way that distills the content down to its essence rather than just trying to reuse the same content. <clears throat> and really, if you just have a two page guide, <clears throat> then uh, it's not worth all this hassle to try to maybe incorporate conditional text and so forth in a really meticulous way. At least I haven't found that single sourcing really pays off that well with quick reference guides. Seven, how do you translate it? <clears throat> uh, this, is, this is a big consideration, right? Uh, because not only, well, you have different paper sizes, but you also have different language sizes, something in German may be longer than something in English and so forth. So if you are translating your guides, don't fill the entire space of the guide. Leave some room for expansion, kind of like when you're putting water into the freezer. You want to let it expand when it's translated. Second, uh, if you have text embedded on images, remember I said images, having a strong image is really important. Well, that text doesn't translate, so you have to figure out a way around that. Um, if you're translating to 10 languages, that can be a serious issue. Um, <clears throat> you can try different things. For example, you could have text boxes overlaid on top of images, images in InDesign, and that, that could work, but uh, you, might, you might find that it doesn't work. Finally, a lot of different countries use a different paper size, like A4 rather than 8.5 by 11, so you have to factor that into how these things are going to be translated and printed.
Last question. <clears throat> is it worth the time? So no doubt about it, quick reference guides are going to take a long time to do, especially if these are your first quick reference guides and you have no pre-existing template or designs to, to kind of fit them into. Uh, but but I, I think it is worth the time. Um, without these quick reference guides, where do users start? I remember one time I was going through a help manual for help authoring tools trying to learn, and I, I found myself reading up to page 87 before there was any substantial material. It was all like preliminary information, introductory information, tables, and it was it was nothing of, of benefit. Uh, it was really frustrating. I like the idea that a quick reference guide helps you get started. It gets your feet wet in an application. Sure, it may not teach you in an, in an advanced way how to do everything, but at least points you in the right direction. I love that. Everybody absolutely loves this deliverable. I've never given a quick reference guide to somebody who has balked at it and said, you know, what's this? They always absolutely uh, are pleased with this, especially as a companion piece to a longer deliverable. It also doubles as marketing material. Remember that all these, all this information you're creating is a tremendous asset uh, for attracting users and why not use it on your corporate blog posts or your company product sites that give in, in a way to give users a, a preview and instruction on how to get going with it with your application it's not really that time consuming as long as you don't try to write and design simultaneously so there are some pitfalls that i've been trying to kind of clarify and if you if you hold to these you're not going to fall into this trap. Um, they provide great handouts for training. You know, that when you when you launch your app and you have 50 people in the room, you want to give them something. Well, you don't want to print out a 200-page manual for each of them. It allows leaders to communicate the instructions. Um, it gives them something that that seems simple that they can give to other people when when new users ask about the application and uh, it may be the only help that anybody ever reads right these busy people who don't have a lot of time uh, this this deliverable provides something that they can get through that they'll actually even try to read a lot of times if there's a manual that's just too long people won't even try people will just see it as as not even worth the effort to begin page one so I've talked a lot about principles of quick reference guides, and uh, let's evaluate some of these quick reference guides. So this is a quick reference guide I did for um, an application, and uh, it was role specific. And it has kind of three different three different columns down here at the bottom. They're just intended to be one page only, and it it works pretty well. Um, this is a simple layout which has a has an image in the upper right you know, with some introductory text and, and so forth here. And uh, I did like this layout. It's a horizontal layout, so it gives it a little more space for a larger image. Uh, we already talked about this layout, but uh, I think this works great for workflows and uh, kind of highlighting difficult tasks. This guide I, sh I showed earlier as well. In fact, this exact guide, when I gave it to one of my uh, project managers or portfolio managers 
he liked it so much that he actually like, it brought tears to his eyes to finally see documentation that wasn't this endless manual. He loved this. You know, the, usually executives they don't like reading a lot of uh, help materials. So in order to, you know, when you condense this into something that's much more readable, concise, people love it. And it's got some contrast here. It's uh, with with uh, the blue section for smaller tasks, whereas the the main content area has more more uh, prominent tasks or more important tasks and um, I like the the little red bar at the bottom it kind of signals an anchor that hey we're, we're ending right here and this is a pretty easy layout to follow this is another layout uh, dual column layout you notice that um, it's got a similar green element that is carried through through uh, through the, the the banner heading as well as the note area the bar at the end the titles so you've got similar you've got a design appeal it's got the rounded corners which is kind of interesting um, and this is a real easy easy format for expanding the text flowing and so forth and this last section with the gray columns is, kind of lets the reader know hey this is this is an end page and these are just frequently asked questions so We've got some screenshots at the beginning that are going to flow within the body of the text. I quite like this design, actually. This is another piece. So after creating guides that look like the, the former, um, somebody wanted an overview of how the whole process works. And so if you go to, if you go to, a, uh, there's a lot of sites that have clip art or not clip art. I mean, it is clip art, but not like Microsoft clip art. If you go to iStock Photo and search for people icon, uh, iStock Photo has great, iStockPhoto.com has great icons. And for $75 or so, you can get a whole set of these little icons and use them. And now this guide isn't that exciting. You know, it's it, it looks like a lot of different elements here. But um, in trying to understand how, how a whole process works, that has like nine different steps, uh, worked out pretty well. This is a guide that my colleague made, and it's got a really prominent one, two, three kind of format that I really like. And he's got the ability to draw little icons like this, and so it fits into his skill set. Um, and you can see callouts uh, to the screenshots are really prominent, and the, the contrast makes them jump out. But uh, this is a format that's, that works pretty well, although the three columns followed by the single long column followed by the dual columns is a little bit busy, a little bit much here. Could simplify this. Here's a layout that's even busier. This is something one of my colleagues gave. And uh, I, you know, it worked out pretty well for him. He said he got a lot of positive praise on this. And I told him that I liked it as well, but I thought that stacking three columns onto two columns was a little jarring and that there was too much information overall. But you can see there's like contrast here that's going to draw the eye and let you know that it's got a different sort of information than the than the, the uh, content here. It's got a nice symmetry and balance to it. It's overall pretty attractive. This is done in Word. Here's a, a guide somebody sent me, um, and and this person won an, an award for this guide. And so it's 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 got a dual column format. It's not bad. The yellow and the blue are not my favorite combination. It's kind of got a lot of tips. Like when you have five tips and two pages, it's kind of too many tips in my opinion. But <clears throat> and the, the yellow shadow on the blue isn't so exciting. But if you 
you know, overlook these design elements and look at the dual columns. It flows really well. It's easy to get through. And uh, it's, it's not bad. I mean, your eye is immediately drawn up here. And if the whole site or application has the same color scheme, this could match it really well. One problem is there's no overwhelmingly strong image, so your eye doesn't naturally focus anywhere on the page. It's just kind of bouncing around. But, um, you know, this is not really art that we're producing. It's, it's functional technical instructions, so we can't have too high of expectations. Here's another guide, and uh, this is a little, I, I included this just to show kind of a pitfall. You'd think that you would read this whole column and then this next column, but really you read horizontally from one to two, from left to right, and then this other section you read down and then to the right. So it's kind of messed up in that way. Or, or you, you sorry, let me, let me back up. So you do read uh, by column from up and then, and then down, but, but you move across by a section. It's just a little bit confusing. So you want to avoid any kind of uh, layout that's not going to follow, follow the natural path of the eye. Here's a one pager, and uh, this this illustrates the difficulty of um, a single column for your text. So if you have some text that's just three words long, Open Internet Explorer, followed by other text that spans all the way across the page, looks really uneven. You have a lot of wasted space. This person wanted a quick reference guide for one simple task on how to log in. I thought it was overkill. But uh, made it anyway. You can see the challenges here with that. I think if you're doing a, t a task like this, it'd be best if you flipped it horizontal, included a large screenshot, and just added callouts around it. This is a guide somebody sent that uh, is probably single sourced out of their other content. You can see there's no strong uh, image here to really draw your eye, but at the same time, it probably didn't require much design work or, or many headaches with design. So you can be very simple if you want is what I'm what I'm saying. This is a similar design to as before but it has a little more contrast but you can see the balance with the with the four corners here. Um, and uh, is it's not my favorite design because you're not quite sure where to begin. Usually the eye begins at the left so you'd begin at this little narrow column but the contrast competes for that attention and wants you to start here in this main column. So it's a little bit of a, a struggle in focus. This is, a, this is a guide my colleague did, uh, just playing around with different formats. Obviously, he doesn't really write about horse grooming, but it's not bad. Um, it's It's got really long columns, though, and I'm not a fan of reading all the way across the page. I think that's, that's not optimal. Um, but at the same time, it does a nice job with big section headings, so you can really see the different sections and when they begin. And he's got some images, a nice horse image and some other, other images that, that kind of make this a lot more friendly and interesting. Um, let's see. This is a design that works really well for marketing materials. So if you want to give people an overview of maybe the four big features of your new system, this is a design that, that works pretty well for that. Um, here's Now I've been kind of collecting these quick reference guides over the years, and th this is one that I've been baffled at. This is some kind of uh, quick ref quick reference guide for a voicemail for uh, navigating your voicemail through vo vocal commands or navigating your calendar and outlook uh, features through voice commands and it's a little too confusing I mean you want to keep things simple allow people to easily navigate 
without uh, presenting too many possible paths and, and types of information. Here's a guide from Cisco that I think is pretty simple. Uh, this was probably folded into a brochure and left on people's desks. It does have an, a little simple image of a person. Uh, faces draw and draw in our attention more than anything else. But uh, it's, it's something that, that works, and you can incorporate screenshots into the flow. Um, and something as simple as circling little parts of it allows perhaps uh, for easier translation rather than embedding call out text directly on the images and it's even got a little table of contents here to, to speed your way into finding the task that you want so I would actually love to have this right by my phone uh, so I can finally figure out how to forward calls and so forth or transfer transfer callers to other people uh, something as simple as this is, is a lot more appealing than opening up their 80 or 200 page guide and trying to find it so that's all I had for for today. Uh, quick reference guides are a topic I'm passionate about. I think it should be one of the core things we deliver along with online help and video tutorials and uh, maybe context sensitive help. You know, this is another tool that fills a need and that need is, is really to um, invite people into our documentation. Uh, as a final little closing thought, there was an article by Ma Martin Fowler a uh, few years ago called, or maybe longer than that, called The Almighty Thud. And it's this the sound that a, a large manual makes when you drop it on somebody's desk. And when people, people hear in that almighty thud of that long manual, it sends this panic and despair into their hearts and they, they lose all kind of motivation to get into that help material. And so these quick reference guides are all about removing that panic and despair and replacing it with a sense of simplicity and joy and eagerness because you know that you can, you can at least get into the material. It's only one or two pages and gets you started. And you can figure out much more once you're into that interface. My site is I'dRatherBeWriting.com. I explore all kinds of fun issues there related to technical communication and writing. You can email me at tom at I'dRatherBeWriting.com or follow me on Twitter at Tom Johnson. Thanks again for listening to this presentation.